Hey there, humanoids. This is David Shoemaker. The pro wrestling world is currently on fire. And so we've got you covered five days a week on the Ringer Wrestling Show. Every Monday and Thursday, hang out with me and Kaz on the Masked Man Show. And this is Peter Rosenberg, the host of Cheap Heat. Join me and my guys, Stack Guy Greg and Dipperstein, on Tuesdays and Fridays. We talk wrestling, we have bagel breakdowns, mage interviews, and so much more. And Ben Cruz here. Come kick it with me, Cal, and Brian on Wednesday Worldwide, where we hit the most interesting headlines and even react to some of Mass Man's, Cheap Heats, or even your hottest takes. Don't tap out, tap in to the Ringer Wrestling Show feed, now on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And stay mage, everyone. Worldwide. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older, 18 and older in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. Welcome back to Group Chat. I am Justin Barrier. Joining me, as always, Rob Mahoney, Big Waz. Gentlemen, everyone has a tan coming back from the break, including Alex Rodriguez. I don't sure. know about you guys, but I'm still trying to get moisture back into my face after four days in the tundra that was Indiana. <laughs> I mean, I'm just get happy that Indiana was followed by Wellness Week. As you guys know, I'm a big wellness guy. Went to a sound bath, went to a couple of spas, a couple of massages. Yeah, so I'm fully refreshed. I'm thankful that we had the week to take time off to get ourselves right, and I'm ready for the stretch run of the NBA season. Let's unpack that for a second. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Waz, what, what was the situation at the sound bath? Like, are, are you in one of those immersive chambers and they're just blasting in episodes of group chat specifically to, to get you in the right headspace? No, they're just like banging on stuff that kind of goes boom. And it's supposed to be like spiritually mm. healing. You're, you're supposed to do it while holding some crystals and, you know, having just downed a gallon of green juice. That's that's the L.A. lifestyle, my boy. I don't know what y'all doing 
up in the bay, but down here, we take this stuff very seriously. Well, we got a new look a little bit today being on FanDuel TV, and we got new wave yeah. group chat. We're really trying to hawk some crystals out right. here. We're trying to move some product. Let's, let's get this thing going. Yeah, welcome to everybody watching on FanDuel TV. We'll be coming to you live, I guess, on Mondays. The episode we'll be recording as per usual on Sunday, so still look out for that podcast in your feeds, typical time Sunday afternoons. I feel like I need to go do like a facial regimen or something at this point now that we're going to be on Big Boy TV. Do you guys, do you guys, are you like ice uh, rolling or anything? I don't know. Mm. What's ice have rolling? Any- no, you don't know that. It's like you take the the little roller and you you roll it over your face and it's yeah. supposed to like mat it out or something. I don't know. I'm gonna make my girl do that for me. Thank you. You just gave my girl a new chore. There you go. Just seeing all these photos coming back from India, I was like, damn, I'm getting old. You know? <laughs> so. Well, let me tell you, Justin, there's not enough ice in the world to fix that for us. We are we are well and cooked at this point. Damn. All right. So we've got about what? Two-ish months, a little under two months left in the regular season. That's what we'll call the stretch run. We're doing this podcast talking about everything left to sort out over that period of time. And I think we have to start out with the Milwaukee Bucks, specifically Doc Rivers, who went on a bit of a world tour uh, of, of interviews and managed to pretty much put his foot in his mouth again and again and again. We should mention we're recording this as the Bucks are playing the Sixers on, I believe, ESPN. So uh, we don't know what's happening in that game. But I got to ask, Rob, uh, so Doc has to be cut off from the interview mic pretty much the rest of the season at this point, right? We got to be running interference. Someone on Bucks PR has got to be diving in front of every microphone. I know he has mandated appearances, but Jesus, like it's just getting a little intense, a little extreme. And frankly, for someone who's in Doc's position, who, look, he was stepping in midseason to save a team that needed dramatic course correction. If you're in that spot, you don't need to tell us how hard the job is because if the Bucks fail, no one was going to be blaming Doc Rivers for that. This was a broken team before he showed up. I thought he had a lot of leeway, and somehow he's kind of like wound all that up already. Yeah, I don't think the Doc stuff has been about how the team is performing so far very early on in his tenure. I think it's the optics and the perception of a guy maybe possibly having a knife and shiving a coach directly in the back by consulting with the team and then ultimately stepping into the role after they vacate the position, right? And so I think that's what Doc is really... He's out here on a face-saving campaign, and there's just no way to do it, so he looks completely ridiculous in the process, right? This idea of, oh, I wouldn't wish this on anybody. It's like, so why'd you wish it on yourself? (laughs) Hello? You didn't have to take this job, brother. It's it's just, you know, uh, wait, why are you... Why are you doing this? Why are you firing Adrian Griffin? Like, no, you should keep him. It's like, come on, Doc. Come on. And and realistically, I don't think anybody with a brain thinks that Doc had to suggest to these guys that Adrian Griffin had to go. I think the teams play, some of the more prominent players, uh, management got the message. It's not like Doc Rivers revealed some grand secret that Adrian Griffin wasn't working out, but Doc is obsessed with his um, his perception in the media, and so he's come out. He's he's come out and looked very ridiculous in the process of trying to clean up the mess that is, you know, the optics of this situation. Well, Waz, you said he's on a face saving campaign. 
Justin, my question to you would be, when is Doc Rivers not on a face-saving campaign? Mm. Because as J.J. Reddick mm. rightly okay, pointed JJ out, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just saying, like, I, I actually think Doc Rivers is a pretty solid coach, if with some noticeable flaws. But he has a uh, an elusive relationship with accountability, I will say. I'm not sure that Doc didn't come back for some small percentage just to be in front of a mic every single day again. I know he, he was doing the media was. stuff. He was doing it with Bill, but that was only like once every couple days. He wasn't on every broadcast call. He's the type of guy who just loves an audience. Alvin Gentry, same way. Like I believe that those guys want jobs year after year after year, in part because they just like being in the ecosystem, like saying things to people and having the reception back to them. And so I'm not surprised that Doc is saying all of this stuff. If anything, I kind of, in some small way, appreciate the honesty, but like this is not what this team team needs right now um but i have to wonder though I, I don't know if you guys saw the game against the wolves it didn't did. seem like there was something still there yeah. and this gets us back to the same question with the bucks where it's like they look awful part of the time i think they're four and seven going into this game today on the other hand they're still third in the east and probably capable of climbing to the two seed pretty quickly yeah, they're one of the best teams in the league against high-level competition, which is mystifying to think about when you see the games where they absolutely blow it against lesser teams, where they give up huge point totals to teams that really can't score in other contexts. I have no idea what to make of them at this stage, this late in the season. That is a terrifying thought for a team that wants to be contending. But how do you talk yourself out of a team that has Giannis and Dame on it, especially when you look at the other kind of would-be challengers in the East? Obviously, the Celtics are on a tier unto themselves, but of the other teams, all those teams are kind of flawed in their own ways. All of them have burdens of proof. And the Bucks of all those groups have kind of accomplished the most given the core that they have. Now, Dame has been a huge addition that has changed the complexion and the nature of that team. But I'm always going to trust a team with Giannis on it. And this is a notable one, a healthy Chris Middleton on it. Not to mention some of the other role players who, although they've had uneven seasons, have stepped up in huge spots in the playoffs before. Yeah, I, I watched that Minnesota game pretty closely. It felt like a bit of a corner was turned, particularly when you're watching them on defense. And, you know, we got to throw the caveats out there. Minnesota is not the best offense in the NBA. That's actually the weaker point of the team. So we need to, you know, let that be known up front. However, um, just the process of what the Bucks were doing looks so much cleaner, you know, where – on a possession where Dame gets switched on to, I think it was Carl Towns, who then stepped up to go set a screen. Behind the play, Dame is already switching with the boss man, right? Like, they're already, the communication is already, like, 20 times better than everything that was with Adrian Griffin. Now, again, they got a long way to go, but it's nice to see those steps being taken. It's just like, oh, this looks like a professional <laughs> basketball team for once, right? Imagine like they're that. doing the the obvious things that are going to make them better. Again, that's a small thing, but like that that's what it takes, that level of communication, that level of connectedness. So that was nice to see on the defensive end from them. And you know, all reports out of Milwaukee, um if I may say so myself, are that people are way happier right now. Um it hasn't translated into wins yet on the floor, but people are way happier. Doc has professionalized the operation in a way that just didn't exist under the previous coach. And I think we're going to see a change. Um, it, you know, it might ultimately not not be enough to take out Boston or perhaps the New York Knicks, Justin, but it's it's on the right track, believe me. So, 
So Gallo's just taking him to his favorite pasta spots and all of a sudden everything, everything's Gallo's rolling. making the pasta himself at oh, his yeah. crib. <laughs> Don't sell he's him short. He's in there kneading the dough. He's, he's doing that on his own. Yeah, the, the two takeaways I had from that game against the Wolves is one, Giannis with a spread court going up with a head of steam against a big plotted into the paint is like... Just he's incredible. And while even maybe Embiid, we don't get him in the playoffs, there are still bigs out there in the East. Jared Allen, for instance, even Kristaps Porzingis, the Celtics are at their best when he's out there on the court there. So Giannis is going to be an advantage for them no matter how much they limp into the playoffs. And the second part of it, though, unfortunately, was they played eight guys in that game plus five kind of pretty awful minutes with Gallinari in there. It's funny how we keep making the same dumb jokes about Doc Rivers, but all of a sudden, Patrick Beverly, Danilo Gallinari coming off the bench for this team in 2024. Um, they're going to be riding the lightning for the rest of the season. Like, this is a very shallow team. Obviously, Middleton, they'll get back him back in there, but like, they're going to they have Middleton to really back, like grip. Yes, they're going to grip the steering wheel tight as we go through the stretch run. Can they ride the lightning with one young guy, please? Yeah, <laughs> just insane. one, just one. Like I and I get all of the caveats with all of them. Like they all are are pretty limited players at this stage. But AJ Green in particular, I think there's room in this rotation for him. Now you're going to have to give up some of your Pat Beverly security minutes or something like that. But I would hope that by the end of this thing, and look, these are famous last words that Doc Rivers could find minutes for one young guy in this group. Danilo Gallinari was in the original Carmelo Anthony trade, guys. <laughs> that was 15 years ago. He Wilson should Chandler, not be getting minutes on a serious up? team. <laughs> Wilson Chandler. Um, so do you guys still like the Bucks in this two-seed race? There's a huge gap between the Celtics and everyone else. Uh, the Cavs, the Sixers, who do you guys like? Well, so here's the thing. I like the Bucks as still the next best team to get deep in the playoffs in the East. Yeah. But I think the Cavs might have the inside track on the two seed. And some of that is Milwaukee's injury situation with Middleton. Some of it is like Cleveland is just incentivized to go hard, figure stuff out, get a good seed, a favorable seed so it can advance against lesser competition because that bottom of the Eastern Conference is, is pretty rough. So I think it benefits Cleveland to push really hard. And frankly, the Cavs has just been sensational over the last two months, a little less so of late. But I love what they've done with their season. And I think they, as much as anyone, like probably have that inside position for the two right now. Yeah, I, I think I would have to tend to agree with, with Rob on the Cavs front. I think because the Bucks' goals are so much loftier, it's going to go beyond wins and losses in the immediate future. They're trying to work towards something that can win bigger in the playoffs. And so I don't know that they're going to be necessarily incentivizing, scraping by every single win. I think they're trying to build a process there. Um, and wins wins might be sacrificed in that process. And so I, I tend to agree with Rob on that one. The Knicks aren't giving a lot of uh, encouragement here because on the one hand, they have all these reserves up. coming in at the deadline, but Julius Randle is giving kind of vague updates about his injuries saying that he's not sure he isn't going to do surgery on the shoulder. That is pretty wow. concerning. And if, even if he plays through it and even if he plays in the playoffs, I'm not sure you really want uh, where we can rely on him. So it's getting pretty dicey. <laughs> a lot of pressure to Chua for the time yeah. being. So we'll, we'll see. OG Ananobi's also been out and basically yeah, any, yep. any Knicks minutes that don't have Ananobi or Randall are like non-canonical Knicks minutes at this point. Like this is a different team. And yeah. it's a lot of precious to chew, as you mentioned. It's a, a ton of Josh Hart, as Tibbs is ought to do. 
He's just rolling guys out there, stretching them as much as he possibly can. Jalen Brunson's doing the Lord's work trying to create under these circumstances, but they don't have enough. They don't. Have, they certainly don't have enough to beat really good teams right now. I know the Celtics' wings last night were very happy not to see OG and Anobi. Trust me. Um, so both OG and Randall being out, like these are major losses, okay? Um, OG, it seems like he's going to come back and generally be fine. The Randall thing is very worrying, although, you know, let's face it, I think the best version of this team in the playoffs is not a 48-minute Julius Randle team, right? Um, but, you know, they still need his offensive punch. Like, he does prov- – the guy's averaging 25 a game. You know, we can't just poo-poo that. Well, he does things that few other players in the league can do, much less few other players on the Knicks could just step in and provide. Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, the Sixers might win five games the rest of the year. I'm not it's convinced rough. that it's that harsh. team isn't soft tanking <laughs> at this point because it's there's rough. very little to really – uh, hit your wagon to there. Maxi looks good. Maxi always looks good. Unfortunately, he yeah. can't score 70 points a game. Um, <laughs> k- kind of related. It seems like the fields are pretty much set here. Unlike in years past, the play-in race, uh, to just to get into the play-in, doesn't really seem like it's uh, bringing much to the table here. Am I missing anyone, Rob? The Jazz are like technically within striking distance four games out in 11th. The, the mighty Nets scoring 80 to 90 points a game now. Are our, our three games back of the Hawks? Are you excited for the play-in race over the stretch run? Well, I think the play-in race, especially in the West, is much less about 11 and 12 vying for 10 and much more about 7 and 8 vying for 6. It's that stability of the short playoff spot. That's where you're going to yeah. see the tension. And frankly, like between 5 and 8, the Pelicans at 5 and the Suns at 8, one game separating those teams right now. And you could talk me into any of those four slotting into the spots. You could probably talk me into the Warriors or the Lakers jumping over one or two of them along the way too. So like, that's where the tension point is. That's what's going to be interesting because a lot of these teams who are in this group, they don't want to be scrapping up from a play-in into a into a series against the Thunder or the Wolves or the Clippers or the Nuggets right out of the gate. Like the, the competition is going to be tough no matter where you are in the standings, but to do play-in into that kind of series just to get your playoff run going, that's not tenable, especially for some of these older veteran teams. Yeah, I want to talk about the, the the seven through ten, or maybe even the five through ten in the West right now. But just with the play-in race right now, uh, Waz, you, you like the Hornets rallying here, <laughs> winners of five in the row before they scored twenty-nine points in the first half against the Warriors. Uh, yeah, that twenty-nine feels like a good caveat to add onto that. <laughs> yeah, the the Hornets are fourteen and forty-two guys, um, and I think it's with good reason. Uh, I don't anticipate this to be some kind of trend that they're going to, you know, show signs of a quality team that just hasn't revealed itself at any previous point during this season. I, I like I have no reason to believe that. I think the Hornets are pretty well cooked um, again on the Western side of things. The Rockets and the Jazz are interesting because we know the Rockets because they're in phase two are going to be chasing the hell out of that um, very last playing spot. And the Jazz, they're a tank candidate. We know that. (laughs) Until they get their, you know, their real quote-unquote team together um, and out there, I bet you, I'd be shocked if we didn't see some timely muscle injuries and guys getting rest on off nights. Like, I I don't think the Jazz are going to be chasing that temp spot. And so I think it kind of just leaves the Rockets as that last team really vying to, you know, jump into the play-in. 
That's kind of my concern too, is that if there is a gap between 10 and 11, we might see some real tankotopia going on here over the last two months. Like, especially teams like the Wizards and the Pistons. Like, maybe the Pistons actually want to show something, but the Wizards have absolutely nothing to really show for. They're demoting Jordan Poole. Like, so we can get probably what the league is trying to avoid to a certain extent and seeing a lot of bad basketball from the bottom third of the league. But I agree with you guys. I think like the the races in the West, even maybe even the East here as some of those teams from the top slide into the play in mix uh, could be get, get pretty interesting. I do want to talk about the Nets quickly who fired Jock Vaughn and brought in Kevin Ollie and not a goddamn thing changed. Um, what are we doing in Brooklyn? Do, can anyone like Tell me what the roadmap here is outside of Sean Marks just doing things and the media kind of washing it over and pretending like it's genius. Yeah, hang around, twiddle your thumbs, hope you can get a star in there like via trade, via draft, but like their draft capital situation is pretty complex. And honestly, I I thought Jacques Vaughn got kind of a raw deal. Uh, The Nets are not a good team, but the ways (laughs) in which they tried to play made sense for the group that they had like they're a flawed roster and they never showed up in a way where when I was watching the Nets play I felt like they weren't prepared they're just outmatched and that's that's a construction issue not a coaching issue so much so I guess sometimes you just make change for the sake of it like changing the energy in that team in that locker room maybe that has its own purpose but as it stands they feel a long long way away like Mikhail Bridges is a really good player but ideally in a much less important role than he's forced to play right now. And frankly, that he's even comfortable playing right now. This isn't even the McHale we saw after the trade last season where he was kind of pushing and trying more stuff. He's he settled back into the guy he is, and that's a really high-level player. But if he's your best guy, guess what? You're probably in a position where your coach is going to get fired. Well, if media reports are to be believed, and obviously Sean Marks doesn't have any well-placed, you know, um, high-level guys in the media to sort of spit-shine the turd that is the uh, New Jersey Nets. Um, if they're to they, be believed, this we're is out of New Jersey team. now, boss. Come on, <laughs> this is not. not this in is the not a re- Oh, excuse me. Sorry, the the, the Brooklyn Nets. My bad. Um, this is not a rebuilding team, despite their three seventy five win percentage. Um, this is a team that considers itself to be still in contention to to you know trade for a star if somebody comes open. The, like we're a destination, according to what we're told in the media as it pertains to what the Nets are trying to do. And so, yeah, I guess Sean Marks is, is quote-unquote, biding his time. Joe Side must really love this dude because uh, this is about as rudderless as it gets. Um, they're, they're mired in no man's land. There's no reason to think that any internal improvement on this team would vastly improve their station. I, I Like... It, 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 that you can't be. There's no realistic expectation that that would be the case. So it has to be either we aggressively go in the other direction or we just chill, because obviously they can't just you know make a star trade materialize, right? So in the meantime, they have to keep this roster as it is. If they're not going to again aggressively court um, draft picks and future capital to replenish their their draft holdings because obviously they gave a lot of it away in acquiring um these quote unquote stars that they had over there. Well Justin, yeah. as the as the foremost Ben Simmons believer, <laughs> how are you feeling about him basically scoring in single digits every game, getting pulled out of a lot of these games? Not a not exactly covering himself in glory since he's been back from from that that injury. I uh I threw my altar in the trash a few games ago, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, it was after watching this guy not be willing to step inside of the three-point line and 
either just like not wanting to go to the rim or not being healthy enough to go to the rim or shoot. So he's really just like uh, a passer on the perimeter who occasionally will be an okay defender. It's one of the weirdest combinations I've ever seen. And if anything, like I think that's the biggest flaw uh, of the Brooklyn Nets right now. A lot of some of the projects that they've taken on here haven't taken the step forward. Rob mentioned Mikhail Bridges. Also, Nick Claxton, like one of the worst regulars amongst the team. He was a guy that I think a lot of people were excited about is switching on defense, his rim protection, yada, yada. He hasn't really done much for them this year. And so like any of the growth stocks that they put effort into Ben Simmons being one of them, they did talk about him as at least being a point guard who can get this team moving. Like the fact that that hasn't come to bear is has to be really disappointing. And the question I actually want to ask Waz here is like, do you think any stars would look at Brooklyn and say like, oh, I want to be there just because it's Brooklyn? Because I will say there are some pieces, Mikhail, Cam Johnson, who would make like nice complimentary pieces, but you have to have a guy want to be there. No, I I don't see that. I could see a star being like, get me the hell out of where I am right now. And anything would be an upgrade. I could see that being the case with somebody identifying this Brooklyn roster, this Brooklyn management, ownership, and be like, wow, they're really, uh, this is top of the line. I can't wait to get to, you know, Atlantic Avenue. Like, come on, man. No, absolutely not. (laughs) And again, these are good players. Like, Cam Johnson's a good player. Obviously, Mikael Bridges, he had that scoring flurry at the end of last season. Everybody was like, oh, this guy, he might be a guy. He might be a, you know, a a possessions type of guy that, that we just give him the ball and let him cook in that. Hasn't come to fruition. Uh, do you guys know how you feel about Cam Thomas? I, I don't think anybody has has come to like a consensus on that dude. And it's just like you know, Dorian Finney's like these are good players, but they they can only elevate something that's already very competent. They themselves are not going to make things quality. They're gonna you know fin- round off a high-quality product. And so they have a bunch of those guys. I don't know why they thought just accumulating all of these, you know, high-level role players would somehow add up to a real team. It, it, it It just always seemed unrealistic to me. And that's the thing about building a team of good players. Good players don't get the blood pumping. They don't make a star look at a situation like, oh man, I can't wait to play with these guys. Even though these are like good, talented NBA rotation players. Mikhail Bridges is the kind of guy you either appreciate when he's guarding you specifically or when he's already your teammate. But I don't know that anyone is eyeing Mikhail and being like, I, I have to find a way to play with Mikhail Bridges. That's just not really in the cards for his player type or, or any of these guys. Unless you went to Villanova. Sure. But even and, then, and then you want to only play with Villanova guys, apparently. Well, they want to bring him into the fold. They're, you know, yeah. the Knicks are not migrating to the Nets. You think when LeBron signed with Miami, he was like, I can't wait to play with UD? Miami <laughs> <laughs> legend? Do you think that's, that's what he was saying to himself when he signed with the Heatles? Maybe not so much. But I know when he was going back to Cleveland, it was, I see a young guy in Kyrie who can be yeah. even better than he's already been. And that's yeah, what yeah. the Nets are missing. Like, you could, you could see a star talking themselves into Brooklyn if there was that young guy on the cusp of something, right? A Shea about to explode, a young Kyrie about to explode. You, you could understand that frame of, of thinking then, but not now. Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because right now new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. So we're looking at Sunday in the NBA. Specifically, we're looking at that nightcap 
And you better believe it. We're looking at the Charlotte Hornets plus three on the road in Portland. I know they scored 29 points somehow in the first half against the Warriors, but that was just a throat clearing. They've been kind of on the money since the trade deadline five in a row before that. Let's go with the Hornets. And with FanDuel, there's 150 bucks. If your bet wins, bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same game parlays, exclusive props, and more. Just visit FanDuel.com slash NBA and shoot your shot. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit TheRinger.com slash RG. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable. Bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Visible Wireless. Want a wireless provider that always brings its A-game? Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. And as if that wasn't already a huge win, you could use promo code RINGER20 to receive $20 off your first month just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerMBA. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerMBA right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, so next question, which team ranked five to 10 in the West do you believe in most? So one through four seems like it's pretty set. Maybe something happens over the next couple of weeks here to change that. But Timberwolves, Thunder, Clippers, Nuggets, I feel pretty safe saying that that's probably going to be the four in some order. Then there's a four game gap. Five is the Pelicans. Mavericks are sixth. Suns in seventh. Kings in eighth. Ninth Lakers. Tenth Warriors. Uh, Rob, any of those teams jump out to you that you believe in the most? Doesn't have to necessarily be regular season. Doesn't necessarily have to be playoffs. Like, what in your gut, your gullet, do you feel come like on, is like the team on, Rob, that would dust rise that above that cowboy us? hat off. Go ahead, do it. <laughs> I'm Swaz. I can't help it. I can't help it. <laughs> really? Wow. I will say this: of all the things we're talking about today, this is the most like ephemeral and fluid. Like, you ask me this question again in a week. And I might sing the praises of the Pelicans or talk myself into the Suns. But right now, the Mavs riding this win streak, undefeated since the trade deadline, including just absolutely demolishing the Thunder. 
Like this is a team that feels like it's it's clarifying itself. And adding PJ Washington and Daniel Gafford have been huge efforts in, in that respect. Getting you know Maxi Kleba back healthier and more engaged and able to play the five again has been huge for them. They just feel like a team that's making sense, and they feel like a team that's making sense around maybe the best player of this regular season in Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving, a guy who probably has not getting enough gotten enough credit for how well he's played and how well he's played alongside Luca. Like the quick activation stuff for him has been so promising. And it's like that that that's the thought of what do any of these teams do in the playoffs? What makes them dangerous? Luka Doncic makes you incredibly dangerous having this kind of supporting cast now rounds you into a form that can win playoff series and having Kyrie as the second side guy, the counterpuncher these other teams don't really have that to the same respect. Even if they have stars, even if they have success, like they're all a little shallower, they're a little flimsier, they're even more injury prone than the Mavericks have been. I I cannot help but believe in Dallas a little bit right now. Yeah, um, I said this on In My Feelings, shameless plug, but I am absolutely really into what they did at the trade deadline because... I think going all in on Luca as workhorse is a smart bet, especially at his age. And just being like, look, anything that we do, whoever we bring in has to be additive to what Luca already brings to the table, right? So, like, we don't want Luca chasing guys around screens and, you know, being some amazing defensive player. He, we don't want to have to do that. The guys we bring in have to complement that. And they have to work around his pick and roll creation, his isolation creation. And just like, bruh, it's it's making all of the sense. And look, uh, it also helps that spiritually they got rid of the guy that kept wearing the wrong sneakers. I, I think that also helps the team when, you, you know, you get the spirit, right? Uh, the juju, if you will, right? In the locker room. And yeah, I'm, I'm of the belief that Luka Doncic is in the top two for MVP right now. Um, again, it's just the way he controls the game, man. It's it's like nothing else that's happening right now. And, and so, yeah, Dallas, to me, is the smartest. However, quietly. No, stop. The, the Yeehaw agenda is already good. taking place. The Warriors have been very good since Draymond came Warriors. In. They've the been really good. The starting lineup for the Warriors has They've been, been really kind of crushing it. They've been so really good. I have them at... I have them at a plus 28.3 net and 137 minutes. That's 15 games, not a small sample size. Yeah. It just seems to work in the way that old school Warriors teams happen to do where they're sharing the ball. And also, I love the fact that like Green and Wiggins are deferential by nature. Green because it's in his best benefit to the offense. Wiggins just because he's kind of not aggressive and is just kind of lax and wants to go take a nap most of the time. But it allows Kaminga <laughs> to kind of settle into that number two option where like he could just be aggressive and kind of take what is there. And so like it does work there. I don't know if they'll like make it past like a Mavs, for instance, or even like the Suns and the Kings. But the Warriors have found balance in a way that I wasn't expecting even a few weeks ago. Well, they're distinctly better than a 10th seeded team. And they're better suited to contend than even some of these teams that are ranked ahead of them. So they're still a little flawed. They're still a little small. They're still a little outgunned relative to the, the best teams in the West. Yes. But other than that, it, it's kind of an open competition for them. And I think a lot of that comes back to Draymond, too. Like, I, I can't stand here and defend anything he has said on a podcast or from a press conference <laughs> stage this season. But he has completely revitalized the Warriors since he's been back. 
he's changed that team dramatically. And they play at basically like a top five defensive level when he's on the floor. Getting that plus the starting lineup change, plus Clay looking really good coming off the bench, plus getting Chris Paul back in the near future. This is a team that's on the up and up, that is definitely climbing in the standings and proving a lot in terms of just like competitive equity right now. Was extension for Kerr, was that surprising at all? Did you like that? No, it's not surprising, especially when you consider that it lines up with the last years of Steph's contract. So it's almost like, yeah, we're bought into this, this thing. We're going to see this thing that we started in 2014 through. And whatever happens after that happens after that. We'll address it and deal with it and think about it then. However, I think it's smart to lock in Kerr, lock in the group and be like, guys, this is what we're doing, you know, until the wheels fall off with Steph. So, you know, smart move. Congrats to Steve Kerr and his family for banking a few more millions, you know. And and I, I think it was the right thing to do. Because here's the thing, man. Lakeup in the past has liked to sort of shake up things and, like, not do the obvious thing right away for whatever reason. Like, remember there was that time where he was like, I don't know that we're going to just hand Steph a five-year max deal. Then that nonsense was in the press, and then Steph had to do the counter thing of being like, I wouldn't mind going back to Charlotte and being a hometown hero and that kind of thing. So in the past, he's been that, you know, sort of, I don't want to say antagonistic, but he's like to sort of upset the apple cart, right? And so him doing this, I think, is a good sign because there's been so much instability with the roster and, you know, and the clay contract and Jordan Poole getting snuffed in the face. And, you know, there's been so much of that. To lock in Kerr and be like, Steve's going to be here for sure, I think is, is just a smart thing to do. This is also what I did in my last negotiation. I was like, I want to line up with Waz and Justin, like put us on the same term. <laughs> I'm trying right. to get the three of us statues outside Spotify <laughs> HQ someday. And I feel like this is how we do it. Wait, is it going to be in LA or is it going to be in Stockholm? (laughs) Why why not both would be my response. (laughs) Just us wearing Pacers white American jerseys just outside of Stockholm. One of uh, just just a really great decision that we made. We'll be legends there. Uh, I got to say, I'm in that stretch where I'm feeling good about the Pelicans again. I'm sure I will change like in two weeks. Point Zion, man. He's we back. have one rule on this podcast. One rule. <laughs> Never trust the Pelicans. That's all you <laughs> I, have to do. I don't really see where the balance comes from with this team. Like it mm. just seems like they're always like a half step like off in a way that they could figure out, but then like the guy that they need isn't playing well. Like it's like, oh, we need a little bit more shooting. Trey Murphy, you're so great. But then he's like shooting 34% from three. And it's just like, oh, I don't know about that. And it's just like, oh, Zion has the ball. But then it's just like, oh man, I don't know. What is Brandon Ingram doing? Is he just gonna right. space while Zion does that? And so I, I love what I'm seeing from Zion. I think we do need to give him credit for giving effort because I do think that is the difference between him being very good and electric versus being just average. Like, keep hearing these dumbass jokes about him being too fat from Stephen A. I actually don't think it is the weight anymore. I actually think no, it is he, effort on a game-to-game basis. Felt these days. Felt for yeah. Zion. Yes, exactly. But like. Man, when he just gets like a little bit of a screen and gets a burst to the basket, he could finish over anybody. And you're seeing that on and on and on. But I, I'm sure they'll just let me down in, in a few weeks here. So I'm, I'm hesitantly saying and just noting that they have been good, but we'll see. Yes. And they like routinely just step in and will wallop 
one of the best teams in the league. They'll just have these games where they make you a believer and then they bring your hopes and dreams crashing to the ground. So this is where we are in the cycle right now. I look forward to checking checking back in with the Pelicans in a couple of weeks and we'll see how we're feeling, Justin. But um, I have to agree with you guys on the Mavs. They were the one team that I picked out of this list here. I think they're the easy target here. Winners are seven in a row. And on the one hand, like they did go the quantity over quality route by getting a bunch of depth with Washington mm-hmm. and Gafford. And you're seeing that pay off in the regular season. I do worry long term if like they get into a playoff series where they don't have the horses there. On the other hand, like Luca's great is better than most other guys greats. And so like just giving Luca opportunity, I think is going to be really interesting. And on the other hand, like Kyrie has been electric in the seven games that they play. I don't think it's a coincidence that he came back from injury in those seven games. And he has been very good in that time, 27, six and six, basically. And so like we give Kyrie a lot of shit, deservedly. So deservedly. So yes, but on the other hand, he actually does a good job of kind of deferring and being that sort of like number two in a way that like we probably forget. Like he's done that with KD, he did that with LeBron until he didn't. And he's doing that kind of again with Luca. And if he's going to play like this and they're going to have enough guys to fill out a rotation, like Mavs could be dangerous. That's the thing about them as, as a playoff opponent, too, is they do have a deeper rotation right now, more good players than they can actually find minutes for at the moment. But if you need to consolidate to eight, and you have this new starting five, you have Gafford, you have Kleba, you have Tim Hardaway Jr. coming off the bench. That's a pretty good playoff eight. I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm not saying it's not exploitable, but that's where you get into positions where, oh, you have Derek Jones Jr. to throw in there for defense if Tim Hardaway isn't cutting in. You know, when Dante Exum gets back and healthy, you can put him back into the mix too. Like they they have options in ways that teams like the Suns don't. Like Phoenix is going to live or die with whether Royce O'Neal and Grayson Allen can hold up in the playoffs. They don't have alternatives to those things. Dallas does have some levers they can pull. But I thought and, they traded for Bradley Beal in the summer. Isn't he an alternative? Well, is he, never is happened. he, is he available? <laughs> <laughs> is he around? Once a month. Yeah. I, I think the question with Dallas is they have all this stuff. Do you trust Jason Kidd to be the one pulling those levers at the right time, at the right moment, against teams that Dallas will be a little bit overmatched by if you know if they're coming in from the bottom bottom end of the standings are they going to be able to overcome teams like the Clippers teams like the Nuggets and Luka is the easy way to say they could but they're going to have to nail a lot of small rotation and strategic decisions too and honestly they've done it before like they've made that kind of conference finals run before yeah I just hope Kyrie sages the training room man so that he can stay on the floor (laughs) somehow that would be nice uh, I'm sure he has the perfect incantation for that. Um, I know you said, Rob, before that, like maybe the you don't want to see a Wolves or a Thunder in a playoff series if you're some of these lower seats. I got to say, I would think the opposite. If you're a young team like the Thunder and your first matchup is Steph Curry, yeah, like in a seven game series, that would be incredible. Or Draymond like getting a or bunch even of if, dudes if the to get texts and, and get in their heads. It's, 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 it's the perfect <laughs> setup, honestly. Yeah, these these top four teams in the West are so good. And yet their reward for being so good is you're going to play against yeah. Steph or LeBron KD, or KD yeah. or maybe Luka if they fall in the yeah. standings a little it's bit. Tough. It's tough. Brutal stuff out there. Yeah. 
So we should talk about MVP because we're talking about Luca here. So my next question is, is the MVP race Shea Gilders Alexander's to lose? And now I think last time we talked about this, ESPN did one of their straw polls. They had Jokic first there. But I got to say, since then, seems like the, the tides are turning toward SGA. Maybe they were always going to do so just because of how good they've been this year. But it feels like he's the front runner now. Does that does that seem right to you guys? I don't know. I've seen the discourse online, Rob. If you see it, there's a lot of people mounting this SGA case because, you know, it's it's new, it's fun, it's fresh, it's hip. I get it. I, I just don't see how you can say this guy has sewn up. Or not even, I shouldn't say sewn up, that he's the clear, distinct front runner yes. here. I'm not of that belief, me, myself. I think he's right there with the Lukas, with the Jokic's. Um, I guess we got an obligatory because this is, you know, uh, Boston media. Jason Tatum allegedly is he's in the running. Um, we can but, talk about that. That's they're they're putting on the hard press there in ways that's just like it just doesn't doing, make guys? sense to me. Um, but it, it, SGA is right there with the big dogs. I will say that. Yes, that's the positioning. To me, it's a pretty even race at this point. Like Jokic is still the best player in the world, and if anything. I think the natural gravity of the award race pulls in his direction a little bit, given the way it went last year, given everything he proved in the playoffs, given the fact that he's just showing up and putting up like crazy triple doubles on a kind of nightly basis at the moment, shooting insane percentages from the field for a very good Nuggets team that is now back competing at the top of the Western Conference, like right there in the run for what could be the number one seed. I think you have to take that into account. I think he's going to get a lot of credit for that. Luka is going to be a presence in that conversation. Honestly, I still think Giannis is having the kind of season where when people step back and zoom out and try to put aside the latest crazy thing with the Bucks, they're going to see one of the NBA's best players having maybe the best season of his career. And I think that's going to yeah. sway some votes too. So I, no one is, is in no pole way position right now. Takumbo wins the MVP this season. He's not going to win, no but, it wouldn't, <laughs> but it wouldn't shock me if he's not fourth among these players, if he ends up like third in overall voting. So if you want to say who the best player in the league is, I think we would all agree it's Jokic, and I don't think there's much of a debate there. Could, could you say that a, a little louder? <laughs> the best player in the league is Jason Tatum. <laughs> I've really liked when he scores 19 points and then tries to mount an MVP case. Um, no, but I tend to disagree with you, if only more just trying to read the room rather than say who should win it, right. because it does feel like we're in the same situation we were in last year where it might take Jokic stepping out and saying that he wants it and to really mount uh, a, like a real individual case. And it's just like not in his DNA. Like he would much rather go watch the jockeys, like uh, just mount the horses and whatnot, <laughs> instead of just like going out there and scoring 40 points in a given night, which he's capable of doing in most nights. And so I just if he wants it, he could probably go and take it. I'm expecting him not to want it. And for that reason, I think people are gravitating, as Waz mentioned, to the new shiny things. I think that's why SGA, in my opinion, I think it is his to lose, if only because there's just so much good stuff going for the Thunder right now. And then I think Luca is probably right on his heels there, if only because the Mavs have just been so great over the past few games. And I expect them to really put it on over the next couple of weeks. If Jokic does win the MVP, I think we should do a recurring segment where you just list like equestrian facts and terms that you know, Justin. <laughs> like if, if you just want to walk us through like the difference between a trot and a canter, I think we can clear out five minutes for that. <laughs> Big aqueduct race so that was, that was good over here. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. And I will say this about SGA 
is what I like about his MVP candidacy, it hues closer to the Jokic than the Luka and the Giannis, where he just doesn't force anything. Everything just seems to come to him naturally within the flow of what the what the Pelicans are trying to do. He's not breaking plays off to go one-on-one at ice. He's just being. And that's the coolest thing about his MVP candidacy so far is like the his ability to allow for the guys, although he's a very young man himself, his younger teammates to flourish and expand their games and expand what they offer to the team while just still being an MVP type of guy. That's been the coolest thing about watching Shea for me. Yeah. And to be clear, as I mentioned at our live show, if we were voting today, I do think I would vote Shea. I just don't think Mm. he has an overwhelming vote share so much as this is the part of the regular season where we shift our attention to a different MVP candidate and we talk about them a lot. And then eventually, as the calendar turns, some people will move on. And I'm not saying everyone will. I'm not saying Shea won't win. But this is the time of year where we do this. Where we gravitate toward the new thing. Yes, another candidate, a challenger, someone who honestly hasn't been getting a lot of airtime as an MVP candidate specifically because Joel was so good earlier in the year. Like, I think it was was basically assumed that if Embiid stay healthy, he was going to win. And now we're all having to consider, well, Embiid's probably not going to be eligible, if not already technically ineligible. So who who are we thinking about? Who are we voting for? Who's actually the most valuable of the players who can win this thing? Shea has as good a case as anybody. I can't remember the last time we've had a player up for MVP and then his teammate was one of the front runners for rookie of the year. Like this is kind of unprecedented, at least in, in as far back as I can remember. And now on the one hand, that's just a credit to how well uh, the Thunder have drafted. And one thing I do love about both Shea and Chet is how much easier things are for the Thunder, especially as they look forward and try to add that kind of fifth piece there is like how good they are on defense and how much flexibility that provides them when they put in Isaiah Joe against the Clippers the other night, they could afford to do so because their main three Williams being the third is are they're already good defenders. And so you could add on top of that, as opposed to like trying to shake things out just to get uh, another defender out there. Like a lot of some of these other teams that we've mentioned uh, on the other hand, I do wonder if they start to kind of like eat into each other's uh, praise pie, so to speak. Like, if you're saying that Shea is driving the thunder, does that mean that Shea is going to be diminished? And obviously, I mean, Wemby's been just incredible. He had the five by five the other night, and so like maybe that won't matter. But like, it will be interesting to see the kind of the the awards Jenga happening with the thunder. Yeah, there's a lot of praise to go around with what OKC does, and some of what you were saying was as far as the way Shea plays and the way he empowers so many people. It lends itself to that conversation. It lends itself yeah. to moments where you're like, man, J-Dub is, is crushing it this week or this month or honestly this whole season. Or Chet, or you can, like, Mark Dagnall might be the front runner for Coach of the Year. Like, you have to consider all of these different angles when you're thinking about why is it that OKC is so good? And it's because Shea allows them to play in a way that everyone shines, everyone eats, everyone gets to make their own individual award cases along the way. It's a great place to be as a young team. Well, you guys can make the case for Jokic for MVP. You are all worried about the the selfish players out there like Jokic, known to not be willing to spread the ball around. The individual awards is what you gravitate toward. I'm about team. You know, I'm team first. I'm about titles. I'm about rings. It's all about ring culture here, which is why for our next question, who's the title favorite? I think there's a pretty clear answer here. Uh, and that is the Minnesota Trimble Rolls, right? <laughs> can't even shout out, actually shout out to future. Enunciate. 
Shout out to future NBA champion Mike Conley. You know, he's, he's sizing <laughs> up that ring. Let's do it. No, I, I think the Celtics, I think, are the clear favorite at this point. Far and away, the number one seed in the East, plus 10.2 point differential, number one in the league. And just like the path to get to the finals is so much easier. It's just littered with injuries. They're just going to step over like the, the the bodies of like Joel Embiid with one arm and no, no leg from, from some other guy. Uh, just whereas, like, as we mentioned, the West is a fucking bloodbath. It, yeah, I, yeah. There's going to be seven game series on and on and on where the Celtics could be like playing five game series up until they get to the finals. And so for that reason, I think the Celtics clear favorites. Yeah, Waz, I don't know how you feel about it now, but I'm starting to teeter Celtics after really believing in the Nuggets all season just because I think if those two teams meet in the finals, I do think the Nuggets win. I'm just starting to wonder if Denver's road to the finals is too mm. tough for them at this stage. And some of that is Jamal Murray now playing through shin splints. KCP's had a bunch of injuries throughout this season. The Nuggets are a little shallow as it is. And you're mm. looking at a playoff route that could be, you know, Mavs, Thunder, Clippers in back-to-back rounds if you're the Nuggets. Like, that's that's tough for a team in that position. Shallow, you say? The, the Nuggets. Uh, <laughs> If hmm. if if Jamal Murray has shin splints and can't stretch, and if KCP is in and out of the lineup or dealing with you know, nursing injuries and can't give you 42 minutes when you need 42 minutes from him, yeah, that, that's a lot of Peyton Watson. That's a lot of Christian Brown. Yeah. Listen, throughout the course <laughs> of this regular season, depending on the team, we're about, what, 56 games into the season That's two-thirds of the season. The Boston Celtics have been the best regular season team thus far. There's no way to argue against that. By every single metric, they've been the best NBA team. However, if the Nuggets are reasonably healthy come postseason, meaning Jamal Murray can play, okay, and he can play 38 minutes a game in the playoffs, and Kenny can play 30 minutes a game in the playoffs, and Jokic is giving you... His 40-something minutes, they're still my title favorite. I'm not going to get blinded by, like, because we do this every year. It's like, oh, regular season, regular season. And look, there are things to be gleaned from the regular season. But we know when the playoffs come, it's a different game. It's damn near a different sport. And so for me, I just think the Nuggets just, they were going to consistently have answers to questions that every opponent poses to them and I, I just I just like the team's makeup the championship pedigree the continuity of this championship pedigree the same five smoked everybody last year uh I just you know I, I can't I cannot quit the nuggets I will not quit the nuggets <laughs> you're you're a believer I, I think That's for right. me it is the it's the stacking of odds on odds like if you tell me the nuggets play the thunder or the nuggets play the wolves or the nuggets play the clippers I'm taking the nuggets in all of those series I feel really good about who they are as you said when they're healthy when they have their guys but there's enough of a chance that they lose each and any of those matchups and then also the matchup against you know we're assuming Boston is going to be in the finals just because they've been head and shoulders above every other team in the eastern conference like I just don't trust to circle back to our, our conversation at the top of the show, like we're trying to talk ourselves into the Bucks. We're, we're trying to believe in the Cavs that they can be something yeah. above and beyond who they were in last year's playoffs. I don't know that any of those Eastern Conference teams are really giving the Celtics a run for their money. And that's where I get apprehensive. 
I, for one, am not going to underestimate the Boston Celtics' ability to have problems in the Eastern Conference playoffs. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. <laughs> y'all can y'all can assume Boston's going to breeze on through the Eastern Conference because that's never been the case for them, ever. No. In worse Eastern Conferences than this. So, no, I'm not going with Boston's going to breeze through the playoffs. That's just an insane proposition to me. <laughs> Like, that is insane to think that. This is where I'd like to remind you that, like, it's Jason Tatum's age 25 season. Do you guys remember when, like, where Steph Curry was at age 25? He had just made his first All-Star game. They lost in the first round against the Clippers. I know everything changed after that. Draymond got in there. Steve Curry got in there. But, like, we tend to ding the Celtics based on, like, formative years just because that they were more successful during those formative years when I think, like, now is the time that they should hit the ground running. And, like, if you want to say Kristaps, like, who knows if he's going to be healthy over the course of the season. That's yeah. a big if. And he's not there. Like the Celtics take a ding in the way that a team like the Nuggets wouldn't just because if you have Jokic in there, he could just do so much for you. Whereas the Celtics are based on having the starting five right there. But you watch this team when they're all out there together and they are just like so well-rounded, like the two-way play, team. like Drew Holiday is like, he's the fifth most Very important player team. on that team. And High all of a sudden he's like team. punching guys in the post. He's like, this is the versatility guard centers. Like this team is just so complete a in a way that like, roster. I can't remember. <laughs> right. Talent-laden <laughs> roster. We have put a talent-laden roster on the gravestone of many previous Celtics <laughs> teams, to be fair. This is the most talented yet. This is like incredibly compelling as a contender. I, I, the most, the most of any Celtics team we've ever seen of this vintage. I believe in them to get out of the East, but if they meet the Nuggets at that point, I, I would have huge questions about them. Let That's me ask y'all something. Let me ask y'all something. Remember when the Nuggets just swept the Lakers in the conference um, finals last year? Y'all yeah. think that? Do you guys think the Celtics, after the first round of the playoffs, have the capacity to do that to any team they face in the in the Eastern Conference? Do y'all really believe that they're gonna do that to teams? To sweep a team? Yes, like just out, just come out and dominate and kick everybody's ass in a playoff series. Like, I I don't know why you envision that happening for the Celtics. I just don't. I don't, think it I don't understand that. I like if you win the series, I, I don't think it matters. I'm no, I'm I'm saying it's going to be up in the air after the first round for them. That's what I'm telling. I don't know about that. <laughs> like, I'm not saying they can't beat these teams. Obviously, they should be favored, but they are right. going to have a hard time getting out of the East. That's all I'm saying. I think if they play two eight seeds and a seven seed, yeah, they they will okay. probably win in four or five. Yeah, that's what I think. Um <laughs> Before we go here, today's Drop the Ball is brought to you by State Farm. Let's be real. No NBA team is flawless, except for the Boston Celtics. They're all experience highs, those glorious moments and under the spotlight. At the same time, they go through those seasons when things just don't click. Rob, are there any teams this year that may have dropped the ball as far as having big expectations, but maybe haven't really lived up to them? Well, I think the question is who might drop the ball or who could mm -hmm. drop the ball. And if we're going to articulate all the reasons why we can't quite give up on the Bucks, I think we have to at least mention all of the messy stuff that has gone on with that team this yeah. season, acknowledge all of their faults, all of their flaws. Like this is a team that does drop the ball on a very regular basis. And so if you're banking on Milwaukee, a team that came into this season expecting to be a tried and true, fully formed title contender, 
it's it's a little harder to talk yourself into that at this stage. And if you want to flash forward a couple months and think about what is life in Milwaukee going to be like in June and July, I think there's a pretty realistic chance they're looking at this season as a disappointment. They're looking back and saying, man, we, we didn't quite have it. We didn't we were one guy short or two guys short. We were a little short in our defensive execution. We weren't quite the team we thought we were going to be. What about historically? Wise, not just this season, but looking back on things, are there teams that drop the ball? Oh my goodness, uh, I'm I'm just thinking back to 17 year old me with my Rockaware jeans on and my <laughs> Aniche velour jacket, and just watching the Lakers go up against the Pistons in the NBA Finals. If you guys remember that season, they had signed Gary Payton, they had signed Karl Malone to ring chase. They were the overwhelming favorites in that finals against the Detroit Pistons and got utterly smoked in five games. It wasn't even close. The one game that they did win was a fluky end-of-game situation. They should have gotten swept in the finals. And again, this is a team that everybody assumed would overwhelm everybody. As we all know, that precipitated the end of that dynasty. Uh, Shaq ended up in Miami and things of that nature. And so, yeah, when I think of teams that historically disappointed, although... Quiet as kept. Carl Malone was hurt in the finals, and so Rasheed Wallace kind of went crazy. But whatever. <laughs> it is what it is. Um, I think about the 4 Lakers. Well, it is what it is. And what it is, Justin, is another talent-laden team <laughs> falling apart. It that's does right. happen. That's right. I uh, I think that's when I was wearing FUBU football jerseys, too. Oh, wow. A couple, couple wow, of pure players. joints. Wow. T-shirts. <laughs> You're just giving away that information for free. We didn't even <laughs> we didn't even press you on that. I know. Well, Rob, in times like these, you need someone who can help, much like the pure players, I guess. It's no different with insurance. <laughs> State Farm is there to help answer insurance questions about your car, your home, and other things that matter to you, whether it's on the phone, online, or on the award-winning State Farm mobile app. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, that's the show. Uh, we'll be back on Wednesday, back to the regular schedule. Uh, thank you to Isaiah Blakely. Thank you to Ben Cruz. Thank you to Tucker Tajin. Uh, we'll be back on Wednesday. See ya. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Vermont, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.